Hello, I'm attorney Paul Whalen at Afford Law. At Afford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts. Our fees are all based on your income, so the less you make, the less you pay. Today, I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about operating under the influence. What is the operating under the influence charge in Massachusetts? Well, operating under the influence, also called OUI, it's the drunk driving statute. Uh, in other states, it's called a DUI, DWI, or any other, any other number of things, but essentially, uh, they're, they're all the same. In Massachusetts, OUIs obviously are a very serious crime. In order for you to be convicted of an OUI, uh, you, the Commonwealth, the prosecution, must show three things to the jury. They must prove these three things beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury in order to be successful at trial. They are Number one, that you are operating a motor vehicle, uh, that you are operating a motor vehicle, that's it. Number two is that uh, you are operating that on a public way. And number three, that you are operating on a public way at a time when you are under the influence of alcohol. So let's break those three, three things down. The first one is operating a motor vehicle. So this is really a compound uh, element. There are two different things to it, this operation and is a motor vehicle. So what is operation of a motor vehicle? Well, as you can well imagine, most of the time uh, operating motor vehicle is just what you think, it's driving a car. It's uh, you're behind the wheel, you're driving down the road, you're making turns and so forth. Everything you typically think of when you think of uh, operating or driving, driving a motor vehicle. But it can be other things as well. So you don't have to be moving uh, in, in order to be operating. Uh, the car doesn't even have to be running for it to be operating. Um, a lot of times when um, cases come that are uh, different in nature and a little bit uh, more of an interesting, a bit of a twist is uh, if somebody is not, uh, if the car is not on, if the keys aren't in the ignition, things along those lines, that's when you get into a, an argument of whether there was operation or not. So um, operating a motor vehicle, there's a, an old case from back from the 1930s, I believe, um, where the court um, decided that an operation of a motor vehicle is basically anything that you can do, any, any manipulation you can do to your car alone or in conjunction with other actions that would put that car into motion. That's operation of a motor vehicle. It's a very broad interpretation of what operation is. In fact, the, the, the case that this comes from, uh, there, was a, there was a driver, he was parked, he was, um, the car was not running, but he was, he put his foot on the clutch, the car rolled forward, hit a parked car in front of him, that was considered operation. A lot of times the, the question is, um, are the keys in the ignition? Um, are you able to put that car in, into motion? So if the keys are not in the ignition, we have a pretty good argument to make that there was no operation of a, of a motor vehicle at the time. So that's operation of, and the next part of that first element is a motor vehicle. What is a motor vehicle? Once again, most of the time it's, it's a car, a truck, a van, a motorcycle, things that you need a license to drive. Um, it gets a little bit trickier when there are other uh, modes of transportation that are involved, a moped, for instance, uh, some sort of motorized vehicle that has a, a lower uh, engine capacity, whether or not that is a motor vehicle can come into play, but those cases are usually pretty rare. It's usually a car, uh, your pickup truck, a truck, or whatever it is uh, that, that's involved.
So that's the first element, operation of a motor vehicle. Number two is that operation of a motor vehicle must take place on a public way. A public way is a specific term. It's a term of art. What is a public way? That's another thing that, that must be proven. A public way is any uh, public access and any public road. So the, the highway system, a town or a city road, uh, th that's certainly, that is certainly public way. It can also be uh, in, in areas that you might not think of as public ways. So it's anything, anywhere where the public has a right to be. So uh, typically in, in cases like that, they looked at uh, the case law looks to um, parking lots of a mall, for instance, uh, gas stations, um, government office buildings that have a parking lot, things like that. Anywhere the public is allowed to be, that is a public way. Now, if it's on private properties, if it's on private land, again, we can at that point use that information to possibly dispute your uh, the allegations against you because perhaps you were not on a public way. So those are the first two elements. And number three is that you are operating on a public way at a time when you were under the influence of alcohol to the point where it, it impaired your ability to operate safely. So here's an important thing to uh, understand, and this is actually in the jury instructions as well that the judge would, lead, would uh, read to the jury if, if you ever took your case to trial, is that drinking and driving is not illegal in a sense. You can have alcohol and drive and be legal as long as that alcohol does not influence your ability to operate the motor vehicle. So, for instance, if you go out and have a drink while with dinner, you're probably not over the limit. It's probably not affecting the way you drive. Just because you drank alcohol and drove afterwards doesn't mean that you are operating under the influence. In Massachusetts, the, um, there's uh, what they call a per se rule so that if you, if you take a breath test or if you, uh, if you take it to the hospital and you get a blood uh, drawn and, and tested, um, if you're over 0.08 and your blood alcohol level that's a presumption that you are under the influence. Even if your driving was okay, it didn't look like you were having any issues, you could still be, um, could, you could still be convicted as long as you're uh, over 0.08 um, on, on those particular tests. You can also be, um, they don't need those tests necessarily uh, to prove that you are operating under the influence. In fact, there's a great deal of uh, controversy going around about whether the Breathalyzer tests are, in fact, accurate. Some places aren't even using them at this point. Uh, some places, I mean, some district attorney's office. Um, so uh, whether or not you, you they can prove that you were under the influence is, is another case. So a lot of times what they'll have is they'll have the officer's uh, testimony. So they'll, they'll have their observation. They Oftentimes they'll say that they observed you operating erratically, uh, doing things, you know, uh, can't stay in your lane, weaving in and out. Things, things along that, uh, things along those lines, uh, will will be used against you. While they're interacting with you, they're trying to see how you're acting, what you look like. If you if there's alcohol on your breath, if your eyes are, are, are red and glassy and bloodshot, those are indicators that you're under the influence of alcohol. They will also, more likely than not, will give you field sobriety tests. Uh, that's a battery of tests that they give you to to try to determine if indeed you're under the influence of alcohol. And there are three standard field sobriety tests. 
that they give you the horizontal gaze nystagmus test. That's the HGN. I know it's big. It's a mouthful. Uh, but that's the one where they uh, watch your eyes as, as you're uh, following a pen or the officer's uh, tip of his finger or her finger. Um, that's one one. Uh, field sobriety test. The other one, the next one is the nine step walk and turn where you have to walk in a straight line, heel to toe, nine steps up, turn around, nine steps back. Uh, and the, the last one is the one leg raise where you stand on one leg, raise the other one about six inches off the ground, look down on it, and uh, they have you uh, remain in that position for 30 seconds or so uh, if you can. Those are the field sobriety tests. Uh, and a lot of times that's where the, the case rests is on the officer's observation of those tests. Um, and uh, whether or not you do well on those tests or not will determine if they can charge you and if, in fact, ultimately they could convict you of those uh, of that charge. Um, as I say, the OUI uh, cases are, are, of course, taken very seriously for good reason. Um, but those are the essential elements that the Commonwealth has to prove. So keep that in mind if you have an OUI case. Um, that's what you're looking at as far as whether or not the Commonwealth can prove, can meet their burden to prove that their case beyond a reasonable doubt. At Afford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts. Our fees are all based on your income, so the less you make, the less we charge. We're working hard to make ourselves affordable because we want to give voice to the hardworking men and women of Massachusetts in the courtroom. Please feel free to visit us at affordlaw.org and uh, please feel free to book a free virtual, no obligation consultation with us. I'd be happy to answer any of your specific questions regarding your case. At Afford Law, we're making justice affordable. Thank you.